Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. A lot of fight announcements to go through. Your typical MMA news. Big, big announcement from Francis Ngannou. The UFC said, oh yeah, hold my beer. We got some stuff to say too. Kind of petty if you ask me, but hey, to be fair, Tuesday's Matchmaker Day. I suppose they did have some stuff cooking. Who knows? But after covering this organization for a long time, you just kind of see the patterns, right? Anyway, uh, we also got an interview with Aspen Ladd, former UFC Bantamweight, now PFL Featherweight. We'll chat with her. She's got a fight coming up. So lots to discuss. Uh, We'll even preview Hill versus... Dern coming up this weekend. Angela Hill said something so ridiculous. I got to talk about it. We'll reset and we'll be back to start the show. You got to start with the big news, goes. The big news is Francis Ngannou has signed with PFL. He had teased an announcement last week. That on the 16th, which was Tuesday, he would be announcing where his future layeth. And uh, really early, it came out. The news came out really early. Arfada Hanoon was all over it because she uh, lives in the Middle East, in Egypt. So she's like 10 hours ahead. And a few hours into her shift, um, which is in the early, early mornings here, she had already seen it and she was already working on it. And so... Francis Ngannou is signed to fight for the PFL. He's going to, so there's a few things to cover here with uh, Francis. He's going to fight MMA. He's not going to fight this season, obviously, because it started already. He'll fight in 2024. He wants to box first. So that pretty much occupies 2023 because we're already midway through May. So in 2024, he will do MMA. He'll do their uh, pay-per-view series, whatever that, that is, whatever that's called. He has signed on for a lucrative uh, contract that's going to be either two or three fights. And he's even guaranteed his opponent a $2 million payday. There are estimates that his pay will be between $5 and $10 million. And uh, he's also got a spot on the board for U- for PFL Africa. And so he's going to be a, a decision maker, you know, when it comes to PFL's foray into Africa. And at the same time, he's an equity partner, which means he may have gotten a small piece of the pie. But look, as more details come out, we'll obviously fill those in. That was just the early announcement. He said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man, meaning the Francis Ngannou brand is a business in itself. And that's why He got a lot of these things. He also wants to be part of the decision-making in terms of being a fighter advocate for the PFL roster. And so what do you think goes about this huge announcement from Francis Ngannou? 
a few of us had been saying, hey, what you doing, man? We haven't heard anything. So far, this thing's blowing up in his face. He's fumbling the bag. Um, now it appears that he got maybe what he wanted, which is that Liberty to box, still has an MMA home, and then kind of got some of those other perks he had been looking for. Well, I would say, first thing that jumps out, mistake number one, why are you telling everyone when you're going to make your announcement? Because you know the UFC is going to do what they did, right? Why tell everyone that? I wish he wouldn't have done that. I wish the day would have been dominated by the news of what he did. Um, but as far as what he did, yeah, I mean, I think he should be happy. You know, he's going to get a, he got pretty much everything he asked for. He's probably still going to make big dollars. He can still box. So I, I'm I'm not even sure. I mean, unless this thing happened sooner, it could have gone any better for him. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Well, sooner definitely would have been better because look, here's the thing: he hasn't fought since January of 2022. We're in May of 2023, and he's gonna he's not gonna fight MMA until 2024. And you know, the PFL once their season's over in late October, we don't hear from them until April. Now, I suppose they could do a pay-per-view in March, maybe, you know, maybe February, I don't know, but it seems like they enjoy that off-season before things, you know, the ball gets rolling. Um, I wish we would know the date of their pay-per-view this year, so we'd kind of have an idea of what they're going to do maybe on a yearly basis, like maybe it'll be their version of an international fight week, or they pick a holiday, like in the past, how the UFC, they used to do Super Bowl Saturday, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, end of the year you know they've gotten away from all those and right now um there's a little bit of consistency in what they do but but uh for the most part they got away from some of the major holidays except for maybe fourth of july sometimes they work with it sometimes it's the week after but we don't know what pfl is going to do so I, I i you know that's two years away from not fighting that said john jones who threw shade on his uh announcement he didn't fight for three years and now he's kind of the man. Like he literally has a claim to be the baddest man on the planet as the UFC's heavyweight champion. I think most of those hardcores still give that to Francis until he gets beaten. But as Francis fights lower competition and John, if he were to keep winning in the UFC, I'm sorry that the shift will change because Jones technically hasn't lost to Francis Ngannou as well. Yeah. I I don't know that, I mean, John Jones has to say something, but I don't know that it has a lot of merit because obviously Francis is not afraid of him and John had an opportunity to fight him. Like he could have fought him. I don't know why it took three years to bulk up. It took me three months. So, I mean, this dude could, could have potentially fought Francis and gone. It's not like he's running away from him. Um, but you're right. If he can keep getting wins, especially, you know, the names that we're thinking you know, like a Stipe Miocic win and then maybe a Pavlovich win or something like that, then I do think that that starts to kind of shift over to him as far as greatest, uh, especially when the other guy's not fighting, right? That's the other big problem. Like, even if he's fighting lesser opponents, as long as he keeps fighting, he kind of just holds on to his title. But if he's not going to fight at all and the other guy's fighting and he's fighting monsters, then yeah, it probably does need to shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you... um. 
months ago, remember Jones and Nganu took that picture. It looked like they were at the, both at the PI or something like that. They looked like they were friendly. But, you know, Jones, as hard as he tries not to be, he can just be this little twat, especially on fight night. But in this instance, you know, rather than maybe applaud a guy who stood up for himself, because remember, Jones stood up for himself. He wanted more money. That's why he couldn't have come to an agreement. He wanted that heavyweight money, and he wasn't getting it. So it, it kind of almost just paints itself more as jealousy rather than, oh, I'm going to pick on a guy who ran away because he doesn't want to face me. I mean, come on. Really? Who's Francis really afraid of at this point? Are any of those big right. guys afraid of each other? No. So, you know, he said something about, you know, you saying all, you you saying all that stuff while you're across the street. Francis Ngannou said, well, then cross the street. But, yeah, like you said, goes Jones, who hasn't fought in three years, he had at least 18 months where Francis was champ and Jones could have fought, but he was bulking up. Come on, man. How mm -hmm. long do you need to bulk up? You know, like, seriously. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever, you know, and, and, and the UFC's announcement, I can't prove it, right? But we've seen what, what they do. They'll put together cards in two, three weeks to counter-program, um, you know, a promotion. So why wouldn't they just make an announcement? It is matchmaker day. I get it. Um, so maybe that had something to do with it. It was a little earlier in the day. And I know there are matchmaker meetings usually in the afternoon because usually Dana White would say at the Dana White Contender Series, which starts at 5 Pacific, we just finished the matchmaker meeting and I walked over. He said that a few times. Led me to believe the damn thing's like at 3 or something like that. I don't know how long the matchmaker meeting is. But this one was a little earlier and they came strong with some announcements and I'll get to those in just a second. But anyway, he goes, um, he gets I don't the blame him. I don't blame yeah. him for doing that, do you? No, this is the fight business, right? Yeah. But it's our job to call it what it is. If somebody mm -hmm. were to go, what do you think? What do you think? I'd probably go, yeah, it was a little petty, you know, but it is the fight boat business. The gloves are off. And you're right. I didn't think about that. Francis did tell everybody when he was going to do all this. He probably got a good four or five hours of publicity before the UFC came in with their announcements. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sure. If Francis won, because he could have boxed and went back to the UFC. I guess he has the ability to box, fight MMA, and then go box again. My opinion is he's going to box one time and then realize, I probably shouldn't do this again. Unless, of course, like Jake Paul, he takes a loss, a loss but there's still big fights for him to make out there. Sure, maybe he wins that. But that's something I believe he could have maybe done away from MMA and just maybe giving us another two years of MMA, beat Miocic's record, beat Miocic to win your trilogy, give John Jones that first L. I think he could have done two or three of those, one of those being a stadium, then bowed out and then went over and boxed and just became a businessman, just, you know, got equity in some big company, maybe an alcohol or whatever else, and just done his thing. I don't know about this whole go back and forth deal. Well, I think what was brilliant about that move is regardless of the outcome in boxing, it looks like his contract is set with PFL. Whereas with UFC, if he would have went out and boxed and let's just say he gets completely pieced up, which a lot of people think may happen, when you go back to the UFC, are you still the baddest man on the planet if you just got knocked out by somebody, right, in boxing? If you got yes. made look like a fool? 
So maybe that price tag goes down now, right? I think the brilliant part of what he did was he locked that in before that could even happen. So regardless of whatever happens in boxing, his MMA purse is based off of who he is today. And I thought that was pretty brilliant on that side, because if he were to do that with UFC and well, you know, we're probably going to get a little bit of a glimpse with it with Nate Diaz, right? If Nate Diaz goes and gets tooled up by Jake Paul, we'll see how the UFC reacts. You know, do they still want him? Do they still are they still willing to give him Nate Diaz money after that? I don't know. But we'll kind of see a little bit. We got a preview of this through McGregor. I realize McGregor is a unicorn, but he kind of. He didn't get pieced up because Mayweather carried him. But mm. in the end, he I mean, Mayweather got a rare knockout, you know, which he doesn't do in boxing. Um, and if you just watch Connor, he went out there. He was he looked like he was a sparring partner. Honestly, I don't even know if he would be asked to be a sparring partner if Floyd was in his prime and needed, you know, that look or whatever. I, I don't even think he would call him because he's just not a professional boxer with those types of skills. But it was. He was able to come back and still do his thing. He fought Cerrone, Poirier a few times. The Poirier fight sold well. Um, you know, the same way you said, we all know that if Francis goes to boxing, we we believe he'll get pieced up. We believe that Tyson Fury would get pieced up in MMA. We don't even have to have Francis Ngannou do that. Um, I'll go on topology right now and tell you who the 50th ranked heavyweight is. And I think that guy would be. Tyson Fury in an MMA match. So the maddest man on the planet resides in MMA. Our guys go over and box because the money's better there, but the baddest men on the planet reside in MMA. I think maybe you can go 15, maybe 20 deep. But, I mean, look what happened to Tim Sylvia, right? He was the UFC heavyweight champion at one point. Mm -hmm. So there is something to having good hands and power. It just doesn't last as long in the UFC because of that option of just getting taken down or getting attacked differently. I think 15 to 20 around there, I would feel pretty confident. But after that, I'd start to get scared because that is a world-class striker. I think because of that fight, um, it won't happen again. That fight didn't even go that long. So Ray Mercer just said, well, I'm here to do something. Here I go. And he threw that big bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think only... If, if they said they had the Randy Couture strategy, I'm going to go in and do that, then yeah, go 50 deep, right? Because Randy didn't mess around. Uh, but some guys, I think, do want to, ah, let me get a couple exchanges, and I think that's where they get in trouble now. Okay, I'm, I'm on topology. At USA Today Sports and MMA Junkie, where I handle the rankings, we only go um, 18 deep. We have the top 15, and then we have three honorable mentions. So I'll, I'll tell you both. And then we'll do 50, and then we'll bounce out of this topic. But just for shits and giggles, because I find it interesting. In our heavyweight division, we have Francis at the top still. The 15th guy is Jailton Almeida. So that guy's taking down Fury and submitting him, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And in our HMs, we have Linton Vassell, Ante D'Elia, and Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Um. Jarzino might not have the skills to take Tyson Fury down. There might be something there. I'll admit it. Tyson, you know, if he can't get Fury down, Fury's wearing four-ounce gloves and maybe connects, something could possibly happen. Now, I'm sitting on Jarzino a little bit because he just got taken down by Jailton Almeida. Um, So, 
here he doesn't have Almeida's wrestling skills. But again, if Jarzino doesn't really show too much interest in getting the fight to the ground, I mean, he is a kickboxing professional. It'd be interesting, but that's a possible win. Now, in the topology, I went all the way down to 50. 50 is Steve Mowry. He fights over at Bellator. And um, Hannon Fajeda, the guy that beat Radum, he's 49. Matthias Scheffel, he's 48. Mohamed Usman in the UFC, he's 47. Carlos Felipe, who was in the UFC but then got suspended for a couple of years, he's 46. Carl Williams, 45. Don Telmay's 44, Tyrell Fortune, 43. You know he'd take down Fury. I guess it just depends on who, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there you have it. That's, that's kind of who resides in that area. Yeah. Who do you got between Fury and Jardino? Your life depends on it. My life depends on it? Fury and Jardino, uh, yeah, in MMA, four-ounce gloves. I got to go with Jardino just because I would have to imagine – King Mo, with with the experience he has in the boxing world, is telling him, "Bro, just take this guy down," and and I think he can. Um, but yeah, I'll yeah. Like, well, you know, Connor, or yeah, go ahead. Um, just to pull back the curtain, I noticed King Mo wasn't with with Jarzino in Charlotte this past weekend. And uh, I asked him about that, and he said that Jarzino kind of had another team of coaches, and King Mo had a, um, what's the word, a redundant spot where he wasn't really going to add too much, and so therefore he decided not to be with him for this one. He's been with him for a few. So I don't know if it depends on the matchup or what. Jarzino spent more time training in Suriname. And then he came to American Top Team. By the time he got back to American Top Team, I guess him and Mo court couldn't coordinate. But yeah, if he were to go and fight Fury, then I suppose maybe King Mo or Steve Mako or someone would have a huge, huge presence in his corner. Um, but yeah, I, I asked him. I go, "Hey, Jarzino looked bigger than usual." He goes, "Oh yeah." He goes, "He did come back from Suriname bigger than he usually is. That's why he weighed in bigger, and that's why." He was kind of easy to take down. The first time he he stood him up like a fire hydrant, um, Jailton couldn't get that first takedown. But then the second time, he kind of was backing up. His feet were close together, and down he went, and that was it. But anyway, um, all right. So, look, congrats to Francis. I I don't know if this works like the NFL where you got a big signing bonus. You don't get paid until you fight. And we still don't even have a fight announcement, right? We know where his home is. So maybe he just knows that when he fights, some big fight fight purses are headed his way. The only last thing I'll say, and I want you to chime in, does, and I, I shared this on our Patreon show, um, is this good business for PFL? Affliction, who we referenced earlier, they had great paydays. Elite XE, they were slinging some money around for a while as well. Neither one stayed for long, especially Affliction. Between both shows and the preparation for the third, they might have been around for a year or 18 months. Elite XE was around a little bit longer, but eventually they, they went bye-bye. 
PFL still doesn't, that I know of, crush it in the ratings. Somehow they did get back on ESPN, so they must be doing something right. But, I, you know, whatever Francis is getting, plus the $2 million his opponent is getting, are they going to sell enough pay-per-views for that? Um, what are your thoughts? Because we want PFL to stick around. Was it three fights that he signed up for? He said two or three was in the article I read. We didn't really for get that, clarity on that. For that, I would say maybe it's worth it. I think it's worth it so long as you can attach yourself to the baddest man on the planet. But if he's not that guy, like if he comes out in the first PFL fight and loses, then no, it's not worth it, right? Because now he's just a heavyweight, a former UFC champ. But you're paying him a grip of money, right? And his opponent a grip of money. So if it's only two fights or three fights and he's continuously winning, then I think maybe, yeah, you did make a pretty big statement. Um, but it just depends on what your overall goal is. Like people are going to tune in. They're going to want to see Francis Ngannou. So that's one thing. Um, you're kind of kicking some dirt over Bellator a little bit in a way. So that's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you need them to win. That, that's That's the whole thing. God, can you imagine if he lost that first fight in MMA? Oh, my God. I don't even want to say it. Um, here's something that Nganu said that I just found right now. Boxing is still on the table. I always dreamed of getting Tyson Fury, but he's not quite available right now. Even De- De- Deontay Wilder, both of our teams have gone back and forth, but we didn't get there because of a potential fight against AJ in December. But we're still aligned in a potential fight after that. My goal is to have a tune-up fight this year, at least one before next year. That's my vision for boxing. My team engaged some discussion with Floyd's money team promotion regarding boxing, and we're going to see about that. But we're definitely coming out with a plan, and we're coming out with something very soon. Yes, he does have a team. looks like him and Markel are back together. There was a split about a year ago, I believe, maybe nine months ago. But I saw him in some recent pictures. I guess that's his team. Um, but this is, in a way, goes disappointing. He says, it's been Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, and Deontay Wilder. And so far, we only had conversations with Deontay Wilder. But Anthony Joshua is a fight we had liked to. We talked to Eddie once, but that's when Joshua was about to fight Franklin. But it's something that interests me. And if we do this in Africa, it's going to be massive. And also, I have to point out the fact that even when we were talking to Deontay Wilder, there was a two-fight deal, one somewhere else, one in Africa, one should should have been should have been in Africa. So it's the same thing we had with Anthony Joshua. I think it's something that gets them excited too to fight in that continent. Here's why I said it disappoints me, because it sounds like the tune-up fight is sometime this year. So there's no MMA fight. There's a tune-up boxing match, and then in 2024, there still doesn't seem to be any clarity because these conversations didn't seem to go far, except the one with Deontay Wilder, but nothing really got penciled in. That still sounded kind of like what I've heard from other people that are talking. Yeah, I'll go fight you, and then you come over here for that plenty of times as well. I think it's uh, silly to even talk about it. Like, if I'm him, I try and stay out of those conversations as much as I can in the public eye because I feel like they do have a hindering on negotiations. You know, with uh, with him not having the option of going to the UFC, I think he kind of gave um, the boxing promoter- promoters a little bit of leverage. Not a whole lot, but he did give some back in that sense, not having the option of going back. Um, so I wouldn't even really bring that stuff up. But yeah, it is it is concerning. 
this would have been better if he would have got a signing bonus. Like something to say, bam, you know, because he it does sound like he's gonna get paid, but there's a tune-up boxing match in the works for 2023. 2022, he fought gone, right? Early in 2022. I don't think he fought after that. Who do you fought I never that? thought about this though, George, but if he does do a fight in Africa, it almost doesn't matter who he's fighting. Like he, he's probably gonna make a lot of money, you know. Um, it would be a big deal out there. So maybe that's the tune-up fight, or I don't know. Yeah, he fought Cyril Gone in 2022, Stephen Miocic in March of 2021. So ten months between those two fights. After Gone, he got hurt. He was pretty much gonna not fight in 2022. But we're halfway to 2023. And no fight in MMA schedule and only a tune-up boxing match in 2023 schedule. Now, maybe he doesn't need money and maybe he doesn't um, spend a lot of money. But once he got into, oh, yeah, I fumbled the bag, those types of comments, it was almost like saying, hey, look what I got up my sleeve. What well, All you have is a big announcement. In, in the NFL, the guy that gets drafted first, he doesn't make that much of a yearly salary, but he gets about a $50 million signing bonus, yeah. right? Um, in the NBA, you get to fight out that play out that rookie contract, and then you get paid if you're a star. And I believe Major League is something similar as well. Both of those are guaranteed, like I said. Um, so in that in that regard, in terms of like the financial windfall, the the bag or whatever, until he fights, we won't know what it is. And so for now, this was just a major announcement, and we're happy for the guy. But I would have been a lot happier if him and Jones were fighting in July at the stadium. Yeah, why not? I mean, that would be huge. That 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 damn stadium, man. I can't believe they haven't filled it up with MMA yet with all the things that have gone through. I mean, in a way, it's like the creme de la creme right now in Las Vegas. Like, all the big acts, like the ones that people pay thousands of dollars for, the BTSs, the Taylor Swifts, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were there. And then, you know, when you throw in all the other stuff that they've been doing, like uh, bringing in some, I think one of the college football playoff games was there, right? Like, or uh, the Pac-12 uh, Pac final was there. There's a lot of stuff that they've been doing, some big soccer. Like, put your foot in there, man. If you're MMA, just get a big fight and, and make that happen. But it's silly that it's been there this long and they haven't had one event. They're top two stars. Well, I don't know if France, well, yeah, I, don't, I know France is not a top two star. Their top star is Connor. The second biggest pay-per-view guy was probably um, either Mazadol or Jones. It was Mazadol while Jones was gone. Jones was never really a million-dollar seller. He did it once, I think. But um, now that Mazadol's retired, I guess Jones would be possibly number two. And he's already even saying one more and he's out. And so now you're looking at Francis Ngannou. Maybe I don't know how far he goes down the charts, but um, he's no longer there. So, yeah, um, this stadium was completed in July of 2020, and right now we're May of 2023 and still no big MMA show. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. And the, the what is it, the sphere is going to be up soon? I mean, I don't know. You got to get in there. They've had the kickoff classic, the East-West Shrine game, the Pac-12 football championship, the Pro Bowl. Um, yeah, the Super Bowl's coming in 2024. The CONCACAF Gold Final was there. So there's been a lot of 
big deal things happen, you know, even some soccer games. But uh, yeah, still no MMA. I I, I know Dana. Dana can't be happy about that. No, he can't be because, like I said, it, it's there's a little bit of a prestige thing too. Like, right, if you're talking about being bigger than some of these big shows, then you got to prove it. Like, even you got to imagine there's some something pro wrestling is going to be there, right? Eventually, it's got to. Floyd would have fought by Floyd was still fighting. He would have fought there by now. Mm-hmm. I guess. You know, it's just bad luck with their big stars being out or retired or or this or that. But I I don't know. Whatever. All right, we spent a lot of time on this. So the USC comes out and makes some announcements, and these are some of the announcements they made. Dana White basically said, "In 30 minutes, I'll be making some announcements." Um, USC 291. We have a date. It is July 29th. In Salt Lake City, Utah. So that's the second pay-per-view in the month of July. This was possibly going to be in London at one point, but London turned into a fight night. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're going with a main event of Dustin Poirier versus Justin. Yeah, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gagey. Uh, this is the second time they fought. Poirier beat him a few years ago. But this is for the new BMF title. I don't know if we say it's vacant or what we say it is, but he pointed out with Masvidal retiring, we're bringing this thing back. And so the the baddest motherfucker, I guess, is going to be the winner of this fight. Um, You know, I, I'm not hating it, to tell you the truth. I liked it the first time. I liked that they didn't force it on us. And it looks like now is the right time to do it. It kind of matches the other guy retiring. And these two guys kind of fit that label. So I think I'm okay with it. Um, your thoughts on the BMF title, I guess. I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, I was never a huge fan of it. I thought it was funny. But what does crack me up is this is one of those um, examples that we use where Dana White can make his life so much easier if he didn't say, well, this is a one-and-done thing. It's just for now because guess what? It's back. So this is another example of times you say things and they don't always play out that way. That's why you get that question of, well, I know it's fight night, but have you thought of? Because you've done it before. Mm-hmm. So it's back, and I think they picked two two pretty good fighters for it. Um, it's okay. I wish maybe they defended it, but but even then, it's like, I don't know. It, it's cute. We'll put it that way. It's just It's interesting. Yeah. It's going down. It's in the books. Um, I'm gonna have to look for that quote, but I think you're right. I think he did say this is a one and done thing. Um, one thing that makes his life fun is he can just make shit up as they go, mm-hmm. and um, he'll probably have an answer, a creative, witty answer for that. Hey, I thought you said this was a one and done thing. Yeah, well, we thought about it. People loved it, so here we are, and that's that. Um, yeah. but this also may point out to they don't have a, a champ ready to go. You know what I mean? And so that's why they had to fall back on this because you know their preference is to always feature uh, a champion defending the belt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not happening here. So let's fall back on this BMF belt. I would say, hey, you want to maybe think about 165, 175 and get rid of 170 and just go 10, you know, even if you want to bring 195. I don't know. I, I'm not as married to 195 as i was at one point wouldn't you if you were female 
wouldn't you kind of raise your hand and clamor and go, how about a BMF for us? I would do it. I got to imagine. I mean, I don't know if they get paid a little bit more or something, but something's got to be done. It's a promotional thing, right? Like, you, there's got to be a way if you're a BMF that you can make a little money off of that. If, if I'm, uh, I mean, she's retired now, but if I were Joanna and Jacek, I would have raised my hand and said, let's do a BMF for, for females. It's interesting. My mind's turning. So, A, personally, I don't think Dana would publicly be too happy about attaching that to females. He'd probably call it something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Joanna's an outstanding person for this, but it seems like she's retired. But, oh, man, that one's tough, goes because... Like who do you cho- who do you choose? They don't have as many females, and the females need to be ready for the fights on the road to the title. Nate was kind of out of the picture a little bit. Mm-hmm. Jorge at the time was having the best year of his life, but he was he hadn't yet climbed to the top of the welterweight ranking. So I, I thought that was kind of perfect, perfect timing. But um, you know, there's been these guys like Matt Brown and Robbie Lawler and. You know, over the years, I guess maybe maybe in a Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz, where you could have thrown in there and and maybe created this thing ten years ago, right? Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it would work. Um, now, if oh, one no. of them, I, I don't think it would work. It, he's going to be in a tough spot because he can shoot it down at, at that moment and go, "Hey, look, we'll think about it." I, I don't know. He's going to have this dumb smile on his face because he knows he's got to be real careful the way he, you know answers this but um I, if i was a female fighter i would do it in a public setting like when they do the dais hey dana how about yes. this by the way i've always wanted to know you know what do the fans think you know like hopefully it's someone popular and that that person knows that the fans are going to back them up and then we would see he'd have to at least think about it because the question would be out there he'd get asked over and over about it again and and now he can't fall back on well we said we'd only do it once and we're done because right yeah, I, I don't think, you know, granted, I, I don't even think the male one really works all that well, but I would still ask for it and what I would do. And I'll give you an example. Here's what I would have done. If I'm uh, if I'm Patty Pimblett, I would have said, hey, I want to fight for this thing and I want Molly to fight for the female one on the same card. Put us on the same card. I would have done something like that. I don't know. If he's got enough juice. When he's you put him it. on the spot. When you put Dana on the spot, especially where you go, hey, they got a male one. How come you don't have a female one? He could I think do he it in London. Fight. You're right. He could do it yeah. in London on a dais. And then the London fans, they, they all re- erupt over anything he says. Mm-hmm. So now he's backing them into a corner. That would have been interesting before Molly lost to Aaron Blanchfield, though. Right. Um, Nate had just won because that's when he called out Mazadol, and Mazadol had just beaten Askren, and he just had the five second KO over Askren. So at the time, it was two guys on a win, on a high. Molly just got Molly whopped by Aaron <laughs> yeah. Blanchfield. So yeah, maybe there'll be a perfect time for it. You know what I mean? Maybe Valentina mm-hmm. Shchenko could do it because she kind of gives that vibe of um, I get down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, hey, that was an interesting question you raised. So let's finish this announcement, and then we got to get to Aspen Ladd. Um, Poirier and Gaethje, that's your main event. 
Jan Blachowicz versus Alex Fajeda at light heavyweight. Tony Ferguson, DUI and all. I guess he's out of that. He's out of that problem uh, versus Bobby Green. And look, no one I believe got hurt. Everyone in his truck was okay. There was minor injuries, but nothing major. The cars he hit, no one was in them. So I guess really the only thing he's he has to worry about here is just jail time. But no one got physically hurt. But alcohol was involved. That's why I was kind of surprised that this happened. Uh, um, I disagree with it a little bit, George. Man, I sound like sometimes. I swear to God, guys, I love the UFC, but sometimes I, I feel like I'm just this negative UFC cloud. But even if nothing comes out of this for Tony Ferguson, if uh, no jail time, no nothing, like, is this where his focus should be in fighting another man? You know, after his last performance, that didn't really make anybody feel like, ah, oh, we want to see more of this guy. Like, on top of that, you're going to throw the stress of what's going on in his life, family-wise, uh, father-wise. Like, this does not seem like a place where a fighter needs to be. Like, for me, if I'm anybody else, if I'm Tony Ferguson's brother, I say, hey, man, you need to get your life in order first and then worry about fighting. This just seems like a recipe for disaster. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Um, I'm wondering if this... No, he knows this is going to cost them, and maybe he picked up the phone and said, "Hey, you got to give me something." Who knows? I think so. Who knows, man? Um, the card is Paulo Costa versus Ikram Ali Skarov, Stephen Thompson versus Michelle Bajeda, Derek Lewis versus Marco Rogério de Lima, and Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. That's a solid seven-fight card so far. C.J. Vergara versus Venetia Salvador also has been announced. That's July 29th in Salt Lake City. So they're back in Salt Lake City after uh, that's where they went last year with Edwards versus Uzwan. Uh, 290, I guess he kind of put a bow on it. He mentioned Volkanovski versus Rodriguez. That's still sticking. Moreno versus Pantoja. Duplessis versus Whitaker. Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner. Bo Nickel versus Trajan Gore, Jack Della Maddalena versus Sean Brady. So there's some good fights on this one, too. Also, the last fight for Robbie Lawler, he fights Nico Price. That one's International Fight Week here in Vegas, and that one takes place on July 8th. The other one's July 29th. Then he said UFC 292 in August at the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Algerine Sterling versus Sean O'Malley. Jean Wei Lee versus Amanda Limos. Why am I saying Amanda Limos? Because Jan Jonan just won a fight, and people were wondering if China was going to get down against China. And no, I'm not talking about Triple H's ex-lady. Nice. So, anyway, um, any thoughts on Boston Sterling versus O'Malley? That's crazy. I mean, that's the fight that we all needed, right? It makes sense. It's been teased, and that's a great location for it. Yep. All this can be found on MMA Junkie. Let's get to our guest, Aspen Ladd. She's going to be fighting on June 16th on Big ESPN. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with Aspen Ladd. She is going to be fighting 
on the second installment of regular season matchups that the PFL has in store for us, all of them in Atlanta. Her fight is on Friday, June 16th, so we're about a month away, and she is on the main card. So let me tell you how this works. 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus for the prelims, and then 10 p.m. Eastern for that main card on ESPN. She faces Carolina Sobeck, and just so you understand, in the standings, both of these young ladies, uh, they need they need points and possibly a finish so that they can move on. How, how are you, Aston? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to get back in there and very grateful that I don't have to wait very long for it. Nice. All right. Um, is that just because you love the staying busy or the taste of getting a loss out of your mouth is something that motivates you? What You like that quick turnaround? Because it also comes with another weight cut and you know, that type of thing. Sometimes you need to re-energize. Um, it's, it's a mixture, honestly, because I've I've been doing this so long at this point, and we, I never really take a shit ton of time off, so it doesn't – it feels fairly normal just to continue training, to continue being in a camp situation. But, yeah, anytime you have a, a fight go away that you don't necessarily want it to, you want to get right back in there. Mm-hmm. But I felt the same way after wins because you're excited, you want to go back in. After a loss, it's bad taste. You want to go and wash it out. Got it. Okay. So I looked at the standings, and both you and Carolina obviously need six points would be ideal. Uh, yeah. Five is what you get for stopping someone in the in the second round. But obviously, the win is the most important thing. But let me ask you this. like, Do you feel a little bit of that pressure where rounds one and two are paramount compared to other fights you've been in? Definitely, especially going into this one and the second round, we need I need as many points as possible. So uh, going into it, it's basically trying to treat it like a five minute fight. And so does she. So that means there there's going to be urgency on both sides, which means action and openings. So that's got to be pretty exciting. Like it's, it's a different type of appeal as you're going into the fight because they're in the same boat. Shit, I hope so. Like. It sucks when you have opponents that don't necessarily want to engage. Like, the most entertaining types of fights and the most fun to be in are when you both go out there and you both want it. Mm-hmm. Aston, so let me ask you this. In I just rewatched your fight before the interview, and you had very similar situations where in the third round when you did lock her up and you threw her down, you know, obviously that that got you the round. You almost got the stoppage. Some people argued a possible 10-8, all that stuff, right? But you did have some of those positions in rounds one and two. She was able to whiz her out one time or frame out one time. What happened in round three? Was the technique better? Was there just more urgency? Was she more tired and you were stronger? What what, what made the difference in that round where maybe that just, I guess, made it, you know, it didn't occur in the first round for you? More urgency. I started too slow. Um yeah, started too slow, and I went back and watched it. And there's certain things I wasn't doing on my takedowns. I was getting in just fine, but I was transitioning out way too soon. Um, so been working on little things that were they add up, you know. Yeah. Okay, so we were just talking about the urgency was the difference in round three, um, and and how do you apply that towards this fight? Will it have to do with the warm up? It's is it all in your head? What can you do to, I guess, bring that mentality to, to round one in, of this fight? It's all me. Um, 
it's in the head, in the mindset, not overthinking things. But yeah, it, it's it's really just that not overthinking it, just going in and performing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel pressure? Like it's nice to have constant fights, which is what fighters want. A million dollar prize at the end, but I guess you got to get to these playoffs. And right now you're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. Is, is it any different types of pressure in this fight than other fights that you've been in? Definitely, but it's pressure regardless. So any fight I've been in, it, it's pressure. It's a different kind of pressure with the point system and how much rides on this next one. So, yeah, there's definitely that and can't be any uh, slow starts this time. Aspen, I'm going to tell you why I love the PFL and why it drives me crazy. Okay. I love the point system, but I try and put myself in your guys' shoes sometimes. And I don't know what the hell to do because George is right. There is urgency. But at the same time, you don't want to be reckless, right? You don't want to just come out and be you know, a maniac and just throw just to do it because it's your health, right? Like we're watching, but it's your health that's on the line. Um, so how do you balance that? What, what goes through you? Like, how often do you have to change strategies in your mind and mindsets? Is that continuously changing or is that something that uh, the night of you'll just kind of feel feel out? I think it depends on the opponent, honestly, and how reckless you can be and it not be um, not be suicidal, basically, or just trying because there's a certain there's a certain level where if you just go out and bang you got to be ready for what could possibly happen there. And then there's other ones where it's a little less dangerous, but I don't know. It definitely, it can elicit a much more that kind of fighting style, but it really depends on who you're matched with and the opponent and how game they are. Sorry. No problem. Um, I wanted to ask you about some news that just came out with Francis Ngannou signing with the PFL yeah. and it's not really just about Francis Ngannou. He, he's kind of advocating for fighters in general. And uh, I wanted to ask you, if uh, if he held a meeting and asked you, you know, what, what's something that you want to see change in mixed martial arts or in PFL, uh, what would you ask Santa Francis at this point? We are considered independent contractors, even though we are not. We're not able to go and work for another organization while we're basically working for a UFC or a PFL or anything else. I would like basically to be considered an employee of the company completely. Um, health insurance would be great. Retirement would be great. All the things that we don't have unless we're doing it on our own, which we all do. But th those would be my asks and they're big ones. Did you hear that they're possibly thinking about going with USADA because they had a lot of people test positive in that first round of fights? Was USADA something you were comfortable with? Uh, when you were with the UFC, or was it a pain in the ass? Oh, it's definitely a pain in the ass, but uh, I had very good relations with my USADA people. I was almost to the point of getting that uh, that 50 test jacket. I've been tested so many times, man, and I was so used to it. I was actually, who was I around the other day? I think I was around, like, but I won't give names of who was getting tested, but I was talking to the people because they were my drug testers for years, and you have different people coming in. And it's like, yeah, you guys are a complete pain. And I'm glad I don't have to get up at 6 a.m. when you're randomly walking into my house. But uh, with, with the results that are coming out of that, you, they're, they're uh, probably necessary. As someone who isn't home a lot, 
Did you ever have any funny encounters? Did they ever have to go meet you at a hiking spot or uh, to, to get the testing done? I, I know that you have to track the app, and I know that you're an avid outdoors woman. So do you have any funny stories from those days? I was pretty good about updating. There was one time where I absolutely rushed home to get there because I was out hiking. And uh, they met me halfway. And then another time was like 5 in the morning. And I live up in the mountains. Like there's it's completely dark. I was down in the kitchen getting ready to go. And uh, my house is a bit weird where you can't really tell like which door to come in sometimes. And she had gone around to the back of my house in the middle of the night. And all I see, or well, it was still pitch black. It wasn't the middle of the night, but it was like 5. And I see a hand, a pale hand, is reaching around and grabbing my door handle and jiggling. It's like, I'm, I'm about to get robbed. And then I realized what it was. Wow. So they can just let themselves in? Uh, she wasn't trying to let herself in. She was trying to, like, test the door handle, apparently. But, wow. Uh, no, very that seems almost like a, a break-in to me. Like, I mean, you would think that the coordination, hey, I'll be there at 6. Okay. Knock, 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 knock. Here I am. Oh, no, they don't inform you that they're going to show up. They just randomly show up. So wow. Only get informed if you're not at the location that you're supposed to be at. So you have to register your whereabouts all the time. Mm -hmm. If you're not there, they'll give you a call, and you have one hour to get to them. Otherwise, you're going to get a miss. Allow me to be weird for just a second here. Is it always yeah. at home? Or, like, let's say the meeting spot is a, is a Starbucks. Can... Can two females just, I guess two females can just go into a Starbucks bathroom and handle the business? Or how does that work? It seems like I, a private thing, you know? I had to do Starbucks three times meeting random people. And sometimes not because you, you'll usually, so certain people are assigned certain areas with USADA. And you'll generally have like a main person. But if they're out, you get random people that come in. Wow. But yeah, no, I've been tested several times in coffee shops, a couple gas stations, uh, you have CPI a couple times, mm -hmm. but yeah, if you, you better be pretty good on the whereabouts or somewhere we can get within like half an hour of it mm -hmm. or because if you, it, it sucks. If you get three misses and you can get a suspension. Right. But you're in favor of it. You said, right. It's really inconvenient, but there's also, it's quite obvious that a lot of people are on the sauce. So it's like, <laughs> eh. it's like, does it really matter that much? Do, do I want to get up at 6 a.m.? But no, it wouldn't bother me. I don't know if I'm necessarily a proponent of it just because of the inconvenience. But then yeah. you see everybody and their brother pop. And then certain people in my division, for example, it's like, oh, that's not natural. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be bothered by it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned year-round health benefits. Right now, PFL just covers you for the fight itself. Or do you get extended coverage during your once the fight's announced, like a training camp? Or how does that work? Oh yeah, any injuries that are uh, that occur during like a fight, for example, we're taken care of, or something that needs to be worked on, we're taken care of. So we're covered fight-wise. It's just not like the normal human medical, dental, all that crap. Mm -hmm. But if you were to just twist the knee today, you'd be covered, even though it's you're a month away from the fight. I guess that's what I'm asking. I don't know. I honestly don't mm. know. Yeah. Well, I hope, like Go said, Santa Francis maybe does bring some of that to you all. Um, and how about the fact that his opponent is guaranteed a $2 million payout? Like, that was eye-opening. Did you, did you hear about that one? The fact that he cares to do that is insane. Yeah, no, I read that, and that was the most shocking part to me. Not anything else, but it's like, he actually does care. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and a lot of people are still shitting on him, but 
they're they're idiots. Like somebody like that is only good for the sport, especially if you're another fighter and you're talking crap. It's like no. Nah. It's like he is a proponent of you, and clearly with what he asked for in his contract, besides the position of power as far as the chairman of the uh, PFL in Africa, but just something on that level of a guaranteed personally opponent. Nobody else has ever done that. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm aware of. Don't tell him I said this, but I see him at Extreme Couture a lot. I plan on tripping him, calling him yeah. names. I'm over 206 and under 265, but I'm going to go for that $2 million. You know, oh, uh, it's, it's even appealing to me. It's going to be a mass exodus of heavyweights coming. That's, at least that's what I think. With that potential, it's like everybody's going to want to fight him. But yeah, it's it's amazing, and it's it's great for the sport to have more opportunity like that. You can be as honest as you want right now, okay? If I fought Francis, but the fight started with him asleep, and I was holding a baseball bat, could I beat him, or do you think I could hit him? I, he'd wake up and still trounce me. Who, who who do you think wins that fight? Remember, he's asleep, and I got a bat. He's asleep, and you've got a bat. I think you better be really quick and hit really hard with that bat, because if he's up, it's all bad. You got a thousand dollars in your hand. You got a thousand dollars in the hand, and just like in Thailand, they're taking bets right there. Who who do you go? Do you, do you go give me Ngannou, or do you go give me Gorgeous George? I'm I'm not a betting woman. In my sport, I can get a lot of trouble for that. True. Oh, look at you staying political. You could have hammered me right now. You could have said Ngannou all day, GG. Take that. I was actually curious about that because I saw the nine suspensions pop up, but not the details. Like, I wonder if all of it was roids, or if people were betting, or what. Who knows. There's an article on, wait, I think it was on Junkie, because that's 90% of what I read, but it yeah. told you what every single person, yeah, it was on Junkie, I read it a little while ago, and it just standalone, it was a few different ones that I don't really know that well, but it told you what each one was, the fine, and uh, how long they're out, but there was nine names, it was a lot. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll see if they bring in USADA, I know it's very expensive and it's very inconvenient, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll let you go. Thanks as always for the time. Good luck with your training camp, the weight cut, all that good stuff, the travels to Atlanta. Go out there and do your thing. Round three, Aspen Lad was a beast that night. We were there. So, yeah, like you said, if you can hone that in and get it going, that's, that's a lot of trouble for Carolina there. Five minute fight, man. Hopefully, you see you. Thanks for the time as always. Take care. We'll see you. Guys, bye. Hey, you know what? She took some of those questions like a champ. She addressed her own shortcomings in terms of mentally being ready, being focused, and fighting like in round three, like like the savage that she can be at times. So I applaud her for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a champ. Yeah. All right. We are going to close up shop, and we're out of here. Remember, this week it's Dern versus Hill. That's the only big fight card this weekend, and we got it covered on MMA Junkie. As always, and you can catch Goes and I Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Spinning Back Click. If you missed any of those, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video, and you can see most recently the Spinning Back Click that we did this past Monday. You'll love it. I guarantee it. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Go out and be a champion. <laughs>